Hey everybody, this is Jeff, obviously. No enhanced version of the Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin show this week. Quite frankly, it wasn't appropriate. And beyond that, I uh, seem to have spent most of my time putting together a Degrassi supercut, which I will discuss with the Degrassi writers in the episode you are about to listen to, starting now. Hey everybody, welcome to the Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin Show. This is Jeff Rubin, and I am very excited because today I am here with Ramona Barkert and Matt Heater, writers for Degrassi, a show whose audience is primarily teenage girls in Canada and me. Thanks for joining us, guys. No problem. Thanks for having us. Let's start at the beginning. For the uninitiated, what exactly is Degrassi? Uh, It's a show about... The Trials and Tribulations of High School Life. And it's Canadian. And it's Canadian. (laughs) Sorry, I don't mean to define it that way. I just want everyone to understand you guys are in Toronto right now. Yeah. Yeah. And this show has been on for a long time. There is a very rich history. Yeah, technically this is the 30th year of Degrassi. Because there was a show before, there was the Kids of Degrassi Street, and then there was Degrassi Junior High, Degrassi High, the School's Out movie, and then our show, Degrassi, The Next Generation. What is a typical episode of Degrassi like? Usually there's a lesson learned. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the core concept of the show is the high school, Degrassi Community School. And it's all about the people, the kids that, um, you know, start in grade seven in some cases, um, mostly in grade nine now. And we follow them all the way through to graduation from high school. And we see their relationships and their friendships and the problems that they face. And sometimes those are very topical issues that we tackle. And um, at the end of the day, you do sort of come to a resolution. Um, and yeah, I, think, uh, I think it's more like an issue explored than a lesson learned because you know, I mean, I guess they do learn lessons, but sometimes it's the wrong one, or sometimes it goes awry. I guess the part of Degrassi that really appeals to me, or the part that really appeals to the nerd in me, is that there is this extremely complex, very tight continuity. The show has something like 40 characters to keep track of. Oh, at least, yeah. Like, if you look at the cast photo of the show, like, you can't even make out faces, because there's just so many people in it. <laughs> yeah. We cycle, yeah, we cycle through those characters, too, like... Currently, I think, Matt, it's 20. We have 20 main characters. That sounds about right. Yeah, smattering of parents and teachers and sort of recurring other students that, you know, drift in and out. Um, But I think we have 20 main characters um, in the current season. And, you know, there's characters here who are children of the characters from the original show. Some of the characters in the original show are teachers. So there, there, there is a continuity to it, almost like X-Men or something, where you, you get to see where everyone's from. <laughs> exactly oh, like X-Men. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's a whole universe. Yeah. The, the Degrassi-verse. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So how did you guys get involved in writing the show? Were you a fan growing up? Uh, yeah. I watched it when I was uh, 10, 11, 12, watched the junior high version. And then uh, I was in university when the new one started, and I watched it as a curiosity. And of course... You know, as you know, it becomes a, it's addicting. I want to say guilty pleasure, but that's not fair. If you like something, you like it. And uh, it's addicting. And then um, I started working at a talent agency and some of our clients worked for the show. And I, when a job opened up, I applied and 
I got it, and that was five years ago. So you, like me, were following Degrassi in college, possibly after you were, I don't want to say you're too old for it, because you're never too old for Degrassi, <laughs> but perhaps the target audience is a little bit younger. Yeah, I was watching it uh, when I could. It was hard, it's hard to follow anything and, you know, when you have classes at all hours of the day, but I, yeah, I guess you're right. Ramona, how did you get involved? My uh, history is a little more recent with the show. I also watched Junior High when I was younger and uh, sort of out of curiosity, just like Matt, uh, watched the first couple seasons when Next Generation rebooted um, in the early 2000s. And um, then I sort of drifted away from it. I didn't keep up with it as much as um, some other writers may have. But, um, you know, last year, a spot opened up on the writing staff and, um, you know, I jumped at the opportunity to join the team. So I've only been on the show for this current season, um, season 11. So I'm a little newbie. Matt, how long have you been with the show? Uh, Since season seven. So five years. When you start working on Degrassi, do you get a huge binder with (laughs) what happened in the past 30 seasons? Uh, You get a stack of DVDs. And I, I went home and watched, rewatched everything. I think I watched the entire, up to that point, seven seasons or six seasons in two weekends. You sound a lot like my friend Adam, but he's not getting paid for it. <laughs> well, Matt's a pro. I just sort of decided to learn by osmosis and, uh, you know, listen to everybody in the room tell me what was good and what was bad and what to do and... That's how I kind of I picked everything up that way. But it is daunting to come into a show that has such a history and, you know, the characters that have cycled through and you're kind of constantly Wikipediaing everything and trying to track these stories that have been going on for so long. But it's fun, not, you know. I'm not sure it's helpful anymore to, to go back and, and watch them all because it might deter us from telling new versions of stories, right? Yeah, that's, so many- my, that's my excuse for <laughs> sure, you know. Try to come up with new stuff. Do you ever worry about repeating yourself? Because there are only so many issues to be addressed. <laughs> we don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, I mean, not only um, um, in Degrassi, the next generation, or as I like to call it, next gen, you know, um, <laughs> there's characters who may be going through things that characters went through five years ago, but you also have the original series where a lot of the characters, um, you know, alcoholic parent, suicidal right. friend, like, you know, the, the bread and butter of Degrassi. I think the thing we have going for us is that uh, while there's a finite number of issues, there's an infinite number of teenagers. So every time we approach an issue like alcoholic parents, uh, each character is going to deal with it differently, and that automatically gives us a different story. So even if we repeat issues, the episodes are going to be crazy different. Yeah, and it's in, you know, when I started at the beginning of season 11, the mantra was sort of, you know, let's not make it about an issue, let's make it about the character, you know, dealing with something. And that will always give you a fresh version of, you know, the stuff that has been repeated. And, and the idea of just creating new characters that are, you know, going to tackle things differently and, um, you know, give us a new insight into these issues that just aren't going to go away for teenagers. Ramona, you mentioned consulting Wikipedia. So you guys are, you know, looking at the stuff the fans are me. writing to keep track of your own show. Oh, yeah. So I meant Wikipedia in the sense, like, you know, sometimes there's a mention of a character in the room and being the newer writer on the team, I kind of skulk onto my phone and go, okay, like I'm nodding, like, yeah, totally. I totally know what you're talking about. And then I, you know, jump on Wikipedia and go, okay, now I'm, you know, up to speed. But, um, 
yeah, there's definitely an online thing with the fans that, you know, there's lots um, of stuff to read about Degrassi online. Let's just put it that way. Speaking of all the issues raised by Degrassi, one page I noticed on the Degrassi wiki, which it sounds like you've been to, is there is a page of list of issues addre- addressed in Degrassi. So it's <laughs> it's every issue, like alcoholic parent or, uh, you know, car accident, drunk driving, whatever it is, uh, and then all the episodes that address that issue. Wow. <laughs> Good for those people who did that. I've found in some of my Degrassi <laughs> Wikipedia reading, and I'm curious if you guys agree with this, because uh, I read the Wikipedias for a lot of shows that I'm into, but I find the Degrassi ones, you can kind of tell that it's a younger audience, again, except for me, following the show. You can kind of see it in the writing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's so this- a definite distinction between sort of the, you know, people that watch junior high or sort of early next generation fans who are, you know, post 25 and up and, you know, the current fans who are definitely teenagers. You can, you can tell there's a different response to everything, which is always fun to see that, you know, divide. And I think even in the next generation, there are different waves of fans. I think there were a group that started in season one. I think another group started sort of, six, seven, eight, and then definitely another group started in season 10. So there are, you can sort of see those ages in the fans too. When you say definitely another group started in season 10, how do you working on the show get that sense? Uh, We started to do the show differently in season 10, where we have the summer season that's every day of the week. And then the fall season that's weekly. And um, it just put the show into hyperdrive in a way that it had never been. And I think a lot of people, uh, got onto the show then. We added some new characters that people really liked and uh, a whole new fan base blossomed. It also uh, correlated with the rise of Twitter, which brought people together and Tumblr. Yeah. So it's just a different community now. Yeah, I, like I said, I've been following Degrassi since college, so I've been a fan of the show for a long time. And I've <laughs> poked around for information on the internet before, and it used to be kind of a fringe thing, especially here in America. The internet's obviously you know, uh, international. But the show wasn't yeah. always as big here as it was uh, as it is now, and you can tell that even for a casual Degrassi fan such as myself, uh, like you're saying, there is obviously a lot of fandom for it online right now. Yeah, I mean, when I started on the show, I can sort of uh, follow my history by what fan forums I would go read. Uh, like it used to be TV.com or Television Without Pity, and then it moved into like uh, fan forum had some message boards and those series of message boards or actual fan sites. And now it's just Twitter, Tumblr. You can go in real time and and do a search while the show is on and hear what people are saying minute by minute. That's actually how I found you guys and how I reached out to you was via (laughs) Twitter. How important is that for a show today to have that online presence? I don't know. I I don't know if, I don't know how you feel about it, Matt, but I think Degrassi is a bit of an odd bird that way. Like the the fans are so interested in every aspect of the show, every single thing that gets tweeted or rumored or, you know, they're just very intense. And I don't know if a show like, you know, I mean, Glee, I guess, too, has that kind of ardent fan base. But I, I don't know if it's as important that other shows, writers have access to fans. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we, we have fun with <laughs> We're it. We're weird. I don't, I, yeah, I don't know how much it benefits us. It might, might even hurt us, but I think if you asked our fans, some of them would say that it's necessary, the online component. Like after some episodes where 
people break up that they don't want to break up, the fans get together and have support sessions around yeah. it. So, uh, you know, I don't know that there are a lot of shows. We can't that take need- that away from them. Yeah, no, that's, that's a therapy never- thing. <laughs> Do you think it's possible that it's more necessary for a show with a younger demographic like Degrassi? Um, I yeah, I think so. I don't think yeah. there's people watching The Good Wife, you know, on Twitter watching real time. You know, <laughs> I think The Good Wife Life maybe, but but certainly maybe. shows like <laughs> NCIS or something like that. I think The Good Wife has its fans. Okay, but do you sure. think they're live? Blogging? I'm more of a Degrassi dude myself, but I think <laughs> okay. there are people out there that are into uh, into The Good Wife. No, yeah. for sure. I just don't know if they're on Twitter. If they're live tweeting or if they're making yeah. animated GIFs of Alicia Florek while it's happening. There we- might be. I don't know. Maybe I should go on Tumblr now and, and you know, defend up. Good Wife fans. <laughs> so where do you guys draw, when you're coming up with a new episode for Degrassi, where do you draw inspiration from? Are you, are you interviewing Canadian children and just picking their <laughs> tiny brains? <laughs> we um, surveil them. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I have a teenage brother. And so I call him sometimes. I think we all have relatives. We, I mean, it's great to do a high school show because we all did a number of years of high school, uh, five in Ontario. And Whoa, you guys do five years of high school? It's four in America. Not anymore. Not anymore, but we did when we went. The kids yeah. overthrew the system? Yeah, we did. Yeah, they revolted and said no yeah. more of this. Yes, we're out of here. Um, so, I mean, you know, the issues change and the way issues play out change, but I think the emotions stay the same. And we do a lot of reading, a lot of newspaper articles. Yeah. S- strange Google alerts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't want to look at our browser history, so let's just no. put it that way. <laughs> it feels like another way the show stays current is by, you know, addressing current issues that obviously didn't exist in the 80s, but some of which didn't even exist when Next Gen started 10 years ago. You know, things like right. Twitter and... Uh, you know, uh, the, just the way the social media and all these and the cell phones have uh, are a part of these kids' lives. And the yeah. first episode of Next Gen, the pilot, I believe, is Emma getting abducted via the internet somehow. Yeah, internet predator. Yeah. So it seems like at Degrassi HQ, that was a conscious <laughs> decision to bring the show back, you know, Degrassi for a new millennium. But even now, like you're saying, especially in these last two years, you can really see how much uh, the internet is a part of these kids' lives. Yeah, in season nine, I got to do an episode about sexting, and I felt really fortunate to get to write about a new issue because um, mm. because like it was brand new and there's no way we would have covered it before, so it was very rare. That's and true. I felt blessed. The, there had been a variation of it when Manny had that naked video of herself, and I think Jay got a hold of it and he accidentally sent it to her <laughs> Hollywood producer. Right? Yeah. That, that, yes. that was similar to the sexting, but I guess you know the cell phones made it a, a new, uh, gave it a new dimension. Yeah, it's more personal. New- yeah. Personal and immediate. Like it and happens. also it can spread faster. It's much more dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Though I, mean, I seem no, to recall, that must not be, hold on, I'm going to open up the grassy wiki. That must not be the only time the kids have sent each other naked pictures of themselves. Uh, no, certainly not. But, but very technically, <laughs> it was the first time that it was sexted. Phone to yeah. phone naked pictures. That was the first one. From girlfriend to boyfriend type. That's right. Even back in season one, though, you had uh, JT and Toby getting busted looking at internet porn. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so now that we're talking about porn and yeah, and sending naked pictures of themselves, do you ever is that ever an issue where you have to tell these very young actors that they're going to be involved in a very mature scene? Uh, yeah, I mean we don't we don't uh, personally have those conversations, but um, in a few a few instances, the actors go to the producers and they sit down and they have a talk, and 
I mean, everything is very um, sensitive about the actors and, and whatever they're up for, they're up for and what they're not, they're not. But, you know, they're all pros and they usually rise to the occasion. They all want those big stories too. So they're always excited to, you know, have the drama happen to their character. So they're a bunch of keeners. And it seems like this is possibly part of that season 10 shift you're talking about. Not as many adults on the show anymore. You used to have Joey <laughs> and Caitlin, but now Snake's pretty much the representative for all the adults. He's yeah. the last standing. Not even Spike. Like you don't now that no. Emma's not on the show, you don't even get to see Spike that much anymore. Right, just because we don't go home to Snake's house very often anymore. Was that a uh, conscious decision where you finding people were less interested in the adults on the show? I just think I mean that's before my time. Uh, Caitlin came back in season seven for sort of a guest episode, but um, I just think stories naturally ran their course. I mean, I'm sure there are conscious decisions here and there, but, you know, Craig was the connection to Joey in The Next Generation, and Craig moved on, so we probably weren't going to go home with Joey anymore. And Caitlin, within the world of the show, went and got famous. So it just, like, sort of happens naturally. Here's a question I'm really excited to ask you guys. Okay. <laughs> what is Degrassi's number one most-go-there moment? Because <laughs> the end put out a list, but I disagree with a lot of it. Oh, wow. Oh, what was on the list? Topping their list, school shooting. You know, Rick coming to school with a gun. Jimmy yeah. Jimmy putting a wheelchair. Number two, Emma's social disease. Uh, Number three, Paige and Alex kissing. In your opinion, what is Degrassi's most go-there moment? For me, the most go-thereiest moment, for sure, is Jimmy gets shot. I, I, I agree. I even, I'll go back and rewatch that episode uh, once or twice a season, just because those episodes are amazing. It's yeah. shocking. It's shocking to, you know, a character dies in that episode and, and Jimmy is paralyzed. Like, it's just, it's shocking to have those major character shifts in any television show. And then to go back and see that it's on the show we raid for is crazy. Um, I sort of agree with number two there because I think those episodes are really fun. But I don't know that number three is as go there for me. But, uh, you know, getting back to what you said about killing off characters, that's something Degrassi does often. And I think that's what makes this, <laughs> that's why that continuity is so important. Even not killing people off, giving them a disease or breaking them up or getting someone pregnant because there's that continuity. And you know when, um, whatever the issue you're raising that week comes up, you know that there's stakes and that whatever happens, it's going to happen to this person who, you know, you've seen on the show for a few years and that it's going to have ramifications. Yeah, that's right. I had, I had listened to your Breaking Bad podcast and you guys talked about Walter White. Hey, careful. Uh, I'm not totally up to date there, so well, the, the, no spoilers. The, well, this is not a spoiler, but he doesn't die. Oh, uh, what? Okay. <laughs> Right? That, but that's, that's exactly the point. Like you know, you know that Walter White, because he's on the poster and because he's the star of the show, that he's more or less safe. Right. Right. And on our show, that might not be true. I mean, that's what, JT dying is not in the top three go thereest moments. I was just gonna say that seems odd. That, I that think the special either. may have been produced before oh, that happened. That I makes think, sense. That I think makes it sense. might predate it. That, that might also be, is insane. Yeah, because that character had been on the show since you know episode one. Seven, what season six that happened? Yeah, I mean, the ramifications of that were huge for all those characters, and you know, I think that might be my top number one. It's funny you mentioned no spoilers because I gotta admit to you guys, I'm about a year behind on Degrassi. <gasps> like, well, like season 10? Or... I'm on season 10. I'm about a year behind. I'm actively watching it, 
But like you said, you've got you have this summer season now. It's almost there's 44 episodes a year. That's almost weekly. It's insane yeah. amount of television to be catching up on at once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I usually got to do it in like you know I got to get my Degrassi club together and we watch it right. in like five or six episode spurts. So what are you up to right now? Um, I just saw you know Adam's been getting into a lot of trouble lately. <laughs> And yeah. uh, Adam and Fiona's relationship is just starting. I'm trying to think what happened in the last one we watched. Um, you know, they're all two-parters now, too. Yeah. yeah. It used to be the two-parter, like, if, if it's, you, you had to worry about someone not being on the show anymore. Now they're all two-parters. Yeah, that's, that's uh, it's helped us with storytelling and production, just to do it that way. Um how hard is it to, I mean, it's almost like a soap opera. I mean, it's not so, It's obviously a little bit like a soap opera, but you're doing it weekly now, or almost weekly. Is that, is that a, a strain on the storytelling? Um, you know, I, I want to say yes, but then every year we get in there and we just come up with the story. So uh, maybe it's helpful. Maybe it makes us come up with more. Um, it does allow us to uh, to bring in more new characters more often to mix things up. Because uh, if there's I, one it, thing Degrassi needs, it's more new characters. <laughs> yeah. just so many new characters every week. New character. <laughs> I think the one thing that the summer season has done is it's allowed us to tell these continuing stories over, I mean, in the viewing time, it's very short, but, you know, we can tell a story. We can break a story, you know, week one and have it sort of, you know, resolve itself by week seven or week six of the summer season and that's basically what we've done in season 11 that you know one story started at the beginning of the season and went all the way through and we touched in on it you know in major ways and in smaller ways throughout and then we were able to kind of wrap up that storyline um which is a way to do it in a bit more in depth i guess yeah and in season 10 you can see that too in the the claire eli fitz trouble that yeah. happens through season 10 oh yeah i'm about a few episodes past the point where fitz had a knife i guess and does he come back well i don't want to ruin anything <laughs> okay no spoilers that was what we got into this with no spoilers yeah you know this is gonna be hard for you guys to imagine in canada but sometimes some of my friends will question why i'm watching degrassi and i'll defend the show and i think one aspect of the show that's really interesting is the politics of it mm. For instance, you know, in America, we have, like, Will and Grace, where you never, the main character is, like, never really in a gay relationship, like, never in a successful one. You certainly don't see him kissing another guy. But then Degrassi, which is a kid's show from Canada, (laughs) there are gay high school students kissing all the time. It's, in a lot of ways, more daring than a lot of the adult programming in America. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to look at it from a political viewpoint, I guess. But for us, we're just trying to tell honest teenage stories and, and be a little raw and, you know, just be true to the characters. And, and we, don't, we just don't censor ourselves that way. That's all. There was an episode where Manny got an abortion. Spoiler alert for season three. Manny got an <laughs> yeah. abortion. And they what? didn't air the episode in America. And I had to go online and, like, go into some soul seek chat room and be like talking to 14 year olds like hey who's got this episode of where Mandy gets an abortion he sent to me trying to get them to send me because I had to know what happened yeah well but that's and, really- and they've and to the end's credit they have they did eventually come around and they did eventually air that episode yeah and that, I mean that's interesting like uh in real life sometimes 
14 year olds have abortions, I guess, right? Like that's a real thing that happens. And so it's strange that when it's on television, it becomes a big deal. I don't know. Like, shouldn't we be talking about it? Yeah, totally. I don't know what's going on in Canada, but in this country, <laughs> if like on a show that was really popular with kids and teens, like featured a character having an abortion, it would be a huge deal. I think you're getting away with murder right now. If people knew what you were showing on the end, it, there'd be trouble. Yeah, I think uh, it's funny. I think technically the, the last character before Manny who had an abortion on television was Maude, the B. Arthur show. Years Which ago. was a huge deal when that happened. Huge deal, yeah, yeah. And it didn't happen again until Manny, I think. However, I believe that someone on Grey's Anatomy this season had an abortion, a main character. But they never the have. First, it, yeah, but that was like the first time it's ever happened and not been – a major thing. Plus, and, I mean, you're having a, a 14 or 15 year old girl do it, which yeah. really raises the stakes, obviously. Yeah, but but I also think it's not uh, gratuitous. Like those episodes are heartbreaking when you watch them. Oh yeah, very much so. That's a really good one because you have Emma who Spike. This is where the continuity. This is where the continuity and following the entire series really pays off. So <laughs> em, Emma's mom is Spike, who was in the original series. She got pregnant in the original series and decided to have Emma. Then yes. flash forward 20 years, we're in Next Gen now, and Emma's the main character and Spike's her mom. And Emma is against the abortion because she, her mom was in a similar situation. And if she had aborted it, no Emma, possibly no Degrassi Next Gen. Yeah. Where would I mean, we be then? Yeah. <laughs> Where? So, so that's, that's a very genuine conflict you're seeing between those two characters. Uh, and in many ways, more adult than a lot of adult programming uh, that you'd see in this country. And now in season 10, you have, you know, Casey and Jenna dealing with a pregnancy. Hopefully you're that far. I do know. Yeah, they're pregnant. She has not delivered the baby yet. There's been, there's been some ups and downs. I'm rooting, yes. for, I'm rooting <laughs> for them, but there's been some ups and downs. And you'll see as you continue through the rest of the season, get sort of up to speed where that goes with them. And it's, you know, know it's an again a new take on an old topic about teenage pregnancy and you know i think that storyline is probably the proudest i am of the one we did last year um was that story so but there's always a way to do it differently from what we've done on the show before you can also see the canadian politics difference in the drinking and the drugs because the drinking yes. age is lower over there and the drinking's a little less taboo on degrassi than it was on say 90210 or Gossip Girl. Well, I don't know about Gossip Girl. Whatever the kids are watching these days, you know? <laughs> um, and because these kids are very close to, legally drink to the legal drinking age, it's not, when it comes out, it doesn't automatically mean that's what that episode's going to be about. No. no. It's, it's funny because we, uh, a number of times in the last couple of years, we've had, in the story room, we've had moments where characters have been drinking more than they ended up in the final episode, which seems crazy, I guess, but and we always take it out and the, the story makes more sense in a way. Because I think you can excuse people when they're drinking. I don't know. For to their me, behavior, they yeah. Yeah, to me they don't drink that much. But I guess I, I know uh, teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> I think they should drink more. <laughs> it's true. In some ways it doesn't represent how uh, drunk the life of some high school students is. Are. Yeah. Yes. It's hard not to turn that into a story, though. Like when someone's drinking, it's like, okay, now what's the drinking about? And, you know, to really explore it in an effective way um, to just have someone drunk at a party played for comedy doesn't necessarily fly. Are you writing for a purely Canadian audience? Do you ever feel like you have to America something down? I mean, we know where our I mean, our audience is in Canada 
and and in America about the same, and then all around the world. I, I just think we try to be true to teenagers as best we can, as best we know, and maybe because we know more Canadian teenagers, it just feels more Canadian. So we, I'm not sure we America anything. No, I, I don't think I don't know that we necessarily focus too much on it. Sometimes we'll get a note from broadcaster, or, you know, that will adjust just to make it a little more universal if it's too Canadian. But I think we're all so used to writing for the, you know, everyone that we don't really, it's not like we're throwing too many A's or whatever into the scripts. We talked a little bit about Degrassi's most go there moments from the show's history. Is there a go there moment that you wrote that you are particularly proud of? (laughs) Um, We can't. Oh, well, mine would be from season 11. I don't want to spoil it for you, Jeff. So. I'll uh, you know what let you you talk about it. I'll cover my ears. <laughs> I, I just won't listen to my own podcast for a minute. It'll be lots fine. Of, uh, great moments in season eleven that might. Uh, no, you, you should you should say it. I don't want to like. It's like we're at a party and there's five of us and like one of us hasn't watched The Wire and the other four just want to talk about. It. I don't want to be that person for this podcast. <laughs> Let's talk about Degrassi's that have already aired. Well, Matt, you, you go first. Maybe you have one that uh, is a little um, earlier. No, mine are from season eleven. I think. Like I, <laughs> let's do it. I don't. I don't. I don't care. You know. Let's let's talk about season eleven. Oh no, we don't want to ruin it for you. The only aspect of the show that it ruins is that my my favorite part of watching the show is when you're watching an episode and that moment when you can when you can guess what the issue of the episode is going to be. Like when someone like, hey, let's play poker. Deal me in, and you're like, oh my god, is this the poker episode? Or when someone like when someone's. <laughs> You know, when they start taking cell phone pictures and you can, you just know, you can yeah. kind of see where it's going. That's, and I, I, I don't want to ruin that, but let's do it. I got to write the summer finale for season 11. And that was one of my favorite things to write. And there's a, a violent incident at the prom, which is exciting, was fun to write. And, and then the, sh- the, the episode becomes very action based around that, which Ooh. is something we don't do a lot on the show. That sounds cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I, I did that without really spoiling that, see? I would have been surprised if the prom wasn't violent. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, I thought of another one that I recently have been thinking about an episode that I wrote in season nine that I really loved, which is um, it's Riley is doing lifeguarding lessons. Mm-hmm. And in the tease, we had Riley get a boner in lifeguarding class. And that was really fun to get to do. And in the same episode, Anya goes LARPing. Oh, the LARPing one was amazing. It. And I love, like, there are just things in that episode that are very fun and visual and different that uh, I was pretty proud of at the time. The LARPing one is, it's great because there's there's been so much Degrassi that you get to see them explore every single activity. Like, this school has a Bot Wars team. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> and there's an episode where Claire's like, I knew you'd put your emotions ahead of Bot Wars. <laughs> that's that's. <laughs> My episode too, I think, or that's the other, the second part. If you did write that one, uh, thank you for bringing back Toby. I was really glad to see my man Toby back on the show. We are always trying to bring people back in the room. It never works out, but we are always trying. That's good yeah. to hear. It's always, it's always fun. It always honors that continuity when you, yeah. when, you, when you get to see that happen. It's really, really hard to do, but it always comes up. And this is the thing that I think, you know, we get some flack online for uh, quote unquote, sending people to the Degrassi Bermuda Triangle, <laughs> and sure. it, Terry is, a, is there welcoming them. It's an accepted yes, exactly. term, yeah. Um, and what I think is like nobody goes away; they just get away from the camera. 
they're not on screen. Yeah, they still <laughs> exist. They're just like to the left or the right of the frame. Like the you know, they don't disappear. Their lives go on, and maybe we'll see them again. Speaking of cameos, Drake. Is there any chance we're ever going to see Drake on this show? <laughs> oh, for sure, we're going to see him. <laughs> what is it? I mean, are you guys excited? About, are you guys excited about the success of Aubrey Graham? I know him by his real name because I know him from Degrassi. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard any of his music. Is, is, is that exciting for you guys? Oh yeah, I love it. What, what's the what was the reaction like at Degrassi HQ when he started blowing up? I was at, at at Degrassi HQ. I was one of the first people to sort of sound the alarm that it was happening because I was I, I I love hip hop. I was listening to his mixtapes and like the very early stuff he was doing with Lil Wayne, and I was like, he's gonna be huge. He's gonna be huge. And that seemed far fetched, sort of, because you know he was just our coworker and he was in the cast. And then a year later, he put out that mixtape and he was huge. I'm proud of him. I think it's awesome. It's cool because there are a lot of kids on Degrassi that seem to have musical side projects. Yes. Yeah, and you get to see the kids perform a lot on the show. You guys have a lot of Battle of the Bands. So to see someone <laughs> and but he was someone that wasn't even particularly musical on the show. I think he played like guitar or bass in Downtown Sasquatch, but you never actually saw him sing on the show. Which is surprising because you see so many other characters sing. Well, in season seven, episode four, he raps. Is that true? Yeah, because wow. Ashley's, Ashley's mad because Craig stole one of her songs and put it on his record <sighs> mm-hmm. without crediting her. And so Craig. she's trying Craig. <sighs> and so she's trying to get things going musically, and Jimmy comes and raps. And if you haven't seen it, I, I, you should go YouTube. That, that does first. sound familiar. I guess I had forgot about it just because when I think of Degrassi musical performances, I think of the Battle of the Bands. I think about PMS. I think about Ashley. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, go- uh, Greatest Zip, band. Zit Remedy. Who's your favorite Degrassi band? PMS. Wow. Really? What about you, yeah. Matt? Girl I'm bands. Into, uh, I'm into Studs. They're a later band, but I their songs were fun to me. Matt writes a lot of the songs. That's why he likes them so much. Is that true? <laughs> oh, I I write the lyrics and and sort of say where the tone is and we've got great music guys out there who fill in the rest and actually do the work but you're studs you are studs <laughs> i got to write uh holly j sucks and uh shared custody which are two great studs songs are yeah. studs still around or did they retire at the end of degrassi goes hollywood <laughs> oh, no peter peter got a drug problem yeah that sounds and they, they bailed on him right so i recently put together a degrassi supercut of all of the freeze frames from the final moments of the episode, because the show used to end with kind of a tender moment and then there'd be a freeze frame. Yeah. yeah. And I put them all together in one video, but recently you guys stopped doing that. We did. (laughs) I miss the freeze frames. I guess that's what I'm saying. This one is not a question. I just miss the freeze frames. (laughs) I think, um, I don't know all the reasons for, for shifting away from the freeze frame, but I do think that with the faster paced more continuous seasons it makes more sense to fade out than freeze frame like when we used to do those half hour like really heavy issue episodes you freeze frame because it's like this is full stop but we we really don't uh you know now that it's continuous and you know you're going to see more of the story i just think philosophically it makes more sense to fade out well i'm not going to tell you that i like it but i appreciate that some thought went into it anyway well, i had to think it through because i missed the freeze frame it was but a big moment it was a big moment uh in the read throughs too like who would get the freeze frame that's a thing oh that's cool that's oh. a that's a thing for me as a fan too yeah 
So it's good to know that it's happening on the other side of this. Did you find out statistically who had the most oh, in no. your supercut? Oh, I'm, I'm disappointed, but like I'm kind of sad now because now I have to go back and I have to find <laughs> out. That's a great question. <laughs> Sorry, it's gotta be Emma. No, Emma's a good one. Um, Ashley and Craig had oh, a lot. Yeah. Craig, Craig was like the the star of the show for a while. Yeah, yeah, but he, you know, he didn't start until season two, so he might not. And he goes away for season six. That's true. Paige could have a lot, too. Yeah, Paige is in there a bunch. I mean, there was a time when those characters were on the show, like Emma and Manny and Liberty. Uh, there, it, there was a time when they were the main char- It felt like they were the main characters on the show, and you followed them even after they went off to college. Now it feels a little bit more like an ensemble show, and it feels like you guys... There was a time when you were like, how is this show going to end? You just follow them through college. But now there's a bit more of a farm system where you see more kids coming up. Mm-hmm. Do you think Degrassi, are, it's, are you consciously setting yourself up to go on forever? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know about that, but I think uh, there's an inter- interesting uh, discussion around whether to see the kids leave the school. And I think once we made the decision to make the school of Degrassi a main character and sort of stay within the walls of the school, that accidentally sets it up to go on forever. Oops. <laughs> you, we did follow them to college for a little bit, but yeah. th- that storyline seemed to have faded. And we know they're still there, but uh, we, we don't, they're not major characters on the show anymore. Yeah, it's hard, too, though, because there aren't stakes to college like there are to high school. If okay. you skip your class, nobody cares. You know what I mean? Like, nobody's going to call home. That's you can really flunk, interesting, yeah. You can flunk out of university without anybody knowing. Um, and you can in, sleep with whoever, drink whatever, you know. Yeah, and if you if you go out and you party the night before and sleep with whoever, they're not necessarily in your class the next day. Like, there's no pressure cooker to college, which is why it's so fun. But it just makes it a lot harder to tell television stories about. Real quick, easy question: Can you guys work in a secret message on the show that somehow acknowledges me or this podcast? We'll absolutely do that. Just some, just. <laughs> A, a quick piece of a code, maybe? Do you have a preference? You want to be a teacher? I'll let you go. Oh, my God, that'd be amazing. The teachers are interesting characters. They've been around on the show. Like, Miss Kwan's been on the show. She's probably the longest tenured character on the show. Uh, I think Coach Armstrong. Coach Armstrong. Armstrong's been there a while. Yeah. I think aside from uh, Mr. Simpson, I think Coach Armstrong's the longest now. Wow. And it, it's cool when sometimes, you know, sometimes the plots end up in his uh, in his section of the world, like when he found out Liberty had dyscalculia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Sorry. All right, I'm starting to, like, fanboy out on you guys. Maybe I should let you go. Uh, when can – I mean, I feel like I got a plot. When can people watch Degrassi? Degrassi, actually, uh, there will be a special on November 18th on Teen Nick, Nowhere to Run. Um... And then it will return for the second half of season 11 sometime in early 2012. I don't think we have a date yet, but I believe it will be February 2012, and there's uh, 14 more episodes of season 11 coming up then. Perhaps more importantly, where can people follow your Degrassi writer blog and Twitter? Our uh, Twitter is um, ltdeg, and our Tumblr is Writers. EFF. Yeah. Degrassi Writers Tumblr. Matt, Ramona, I'm a huge fan. Thank you so much for making the time to do this. This is 
unbelievable experience for me. Yeah, no problem. It was fun. Thanks, Jeff. That was a fun one for me anyway. I hope you guys enjoyed it. You can check out that supercut I put together of all the Degrassi freeze frames. I can't believe I just said that sentence, but it's true. You can check it out at my YouTube account. That is youtube.com slash Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin, where you will also find every episode of the Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin show. Most of them, almost all of them, in their enhanced form, which means there are pictures to go along with the audio. You can also find it on my blog, that is jeffrubinjeffrubin.com, on my Twitter. Obviously, I can't put the video on Twitter, it's just tech, but there's a link to it or something. It's at Jeff Rubin Show. That's the, uh, that's the Twitter account. And, uh, of course, there's also the Facebook fan page. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, I'll be back next week. Bye.